Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Welcome to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Missing in Canada, an ongoing series exploring the stories and circumstances of Canadian missing persons cases. In this episode, our story will take us to Sackville, New Brunswick. In the early morning hours of November 25th, 2012, third-year Mount Allison student Chris Metallic chose to end a night of partying with his friends. A belly full of alcohol played a part in his decision to leave a party and certainly played a part in him leaving his shoes and wallet behind. But that was going to be a problem to solve the next morning. Wearing borrowed sandals, Chris just wanted to go home and sleep it off. And now, over 10 years later, Chris still hasn't arrived home, and the trail he left behind doesn't offer much to go on. One strange sighting, and a pair of sandals a couple hours walk from Sackville is about it. So let's get into it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Madeleine Klein to discuss the disappearance of Chris Metallic. It's been 10 years that Mandy Metallic has been looking for answers about what happened to her son, Chris Mackenzie Metallic, a then 20-year-old Mi'kmaq from Listigouche, Quebec. He can't just vanish in the middle of the woods and then there's no trace of anything. Chris went missing after a party while he was in his third year at Mount Allison University in Sackville, New Brunswick. Chris's path was traced by the RCMP into nearby woods, but ultimately all roads led to nowhere. You could tell he was getting lost. He was going back and forth, back and forth. Madeleine Klein. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. You must be thrilled to be indoors because it's very cold where you are. You just told me before we went to air. Tell us about that. It's, uh, it's. I'm in Regina, and it it was remarkably warmer today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was only like minus thirty today. But <laughs> only? yeah, but God. yesterday with the wind, it was like minus forty eight, minus fifty, and it was treacherous. I hear people have to like plug their cars in. Oh, west, yes. you do that. I have a garage okay. and. Actually, I have not plugged a car in for a long time because okay. I always drove Volkswagens and oh. they always start. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so. you need a block heater if you live in Saskatchewan to plug your car in. Wow. I didn't realize it was that much of a difference because here in Halifax yesterday, I think it was rainy and like, I don't know, like eight degrees, something like that. Like it's, that's a world away. We still have like my grass, I'm still mowing. I mowed it like a week ago. It's green. We haven't had any snow yet. Like I can't even imagine living that kind of life. That in kind of life. December. It's like, only gonna get worse. I can't wait to see what happens to you. I, I've never oh, known you I've, in winter, so this is gonna get good. January and February are awful. They always mm. are. I know the worst is yet to come. Mm, yikes. Um, well, this is our second time chatting. For people who have not had the chance to meet you or learn about your content, you're on YouTube. What are you doing on YouTube alongside me? I uh, I do. Canadian True Crime and Missing Persons. Um, Missing Persons is more so for TikTok. And on YouTube, I post uh, full-length videos of true crime, murder. So yeah, so if you're interested in longer longer stories, and they usually have a, have closure at the end. 
um, YouTube's where to find that. If they were going to go there and watch a video, what would be one that you would suggest they watch as a way to get like a primer in what you do and what you cover? I would suggest the one that I just posted. My latest video was on a teen named Sandy Charles from Laurent, Saskatchewan. And back in 1995, this 14-year-old boy was inspired by the movie Warlock. And in this movie, if you drink the boiled fat of an unbaptized virgin boy, you'll gain the power of flight. <laughs> so this boy, with the help of his seven-year-old friend, murdered a seven-year-old boy and chopped pieces of him and put them into a can and boiled his fat. And yeah, it's, it's wow. the most... <laughs> It's one of the most insane cases that has kind of always been in the back of my mind. And I can't believe it's not more well-known. Yeah. Wow. I remember never, my dad never telling heard of me that. about it. Really? Madeline, I got to, you sit down. I got to tell you something. Yeah, we were just hanging out one night and yeah. <laughs> I should have your dad on this podcast. He, email oh, me his number. <laughs> my dad is like a local celebrity. He oh, really? rides around on his Harley with his dog and a sidecar and like, <laughs> oh, he's, he's the best. Awesome. He's, he's hilarious. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, uh, this case that, that we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, I don't know if it, did I recommend it or did you recommend it? Cause you've covered the disappearance of Chris Metallic before, and I've talked about covering it before, but what led to us doing it? Um, well, we talked about a case that was local to me last time. Mm -hmm. And then when we decided to partner on the podcast, you suggested, let's do like an East Coast and then a West case and back and forth. And I said, perfect, your turn. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, I, I've had like a, I operate on a list. I have a huge list of cases uh, organized by province and I just slowly pick away at them. And I've had Chris Metallic as a listener recommendation from probably the first year that I started podcasting, like six or seven years ago. And it was just one of those things where I just never really got to the point of doing a, an episode about him. And then just recently, the 10th anniversary of his disappearance occurred. And that reminded me like, oh, I'm getting, you know, I want to learn more about the case and get into it. And that was right as we connected. So it was just the obvious uh, case to pitch. But you've covered his story before. I think, yeah, I watched a YouTube video you did. Do you remember how you learned of him or what led you to cover him, you know, a year or two ago when you did it? Well, I was just going to say I have like almost the exact same story as you. So mm -hmm. I started my TikTok journey last November and Chris Metallic was one of the highest suggested names that I got right away. Hmm. So yeah i and it was around his the ninth anniversary of his disappearance so it was about a year ago that i i covered him just because so many people suggested mm -hmm. it's, so it's funny with missing person cases it's always the anniversaries and i see why it's why it's so important for you know the police to issue a press conference and the news to cover it or, or issue a press release on those anniversaries because that's really what keeps or what gives there a reason for people to revisit some of these stories? When I went through doing the research for our talk tonight, what I was finding was all the initial reporting of Chris's disappearance and then three-year anniversary, four-year anniversary, five-year, you know, right up to the 10th year. And it's yeah. sadly in his story, there's very little 
information about him but and, and about his disappearance but what is there paints um paints a picture that we have a lot to discuss uh to understand better so let, let's start at the beginning about who he is where the story takes place and then we'll walk through the timeline of what we know about you know his last known moments and you know where where he may have ended up It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris Metallic was, at the time of his disappearance, which was on the 24th into the 25th of November 2012, so just over 10 years ago, he was 20 years old, originally from Listigouche, Mi'kmaq First Nation in Quebec, however at the time was living in Sackville, New Brunswick, as he was attending Mount Allison to study anthropology. He was a third-year student. Uh, what's I think what is notable about that is... W- when we get into the story, it'll it'll make more sense why I say this. But when you hear of someone, you know, uh, having a wild night and getting into trouble, you'll think like immature first year student, a junior, you know, get moves away from home and gets in and over their head. He was living there at least three years, so I think he would have been pretty comfortable with Sackville at that point. It's a very small town. Uh, I didn't when- realize how small it is. Yeah, like 6,000 people or something? Yeah, and even, like, I knew it was a small town, but when I was trying to figure out where all the different locations involved in the story relate to each other, I was looking on Google Maps just to see, you know, where the different homes were and the pizza shop was, and I was surprised it was smaller than I even thought. But if you look at Sackville, it's this little blip, but the place that Chris Metallic was last seen is, like, worlds away. He was, you know, we'll we'll get into it, but he made it a good distance away. Um. Well, let, let's get into, so I guess the basics of it is, is that third year student, originally from Quebec, healthy guy by all accounts, looks like, um, he, he looks like he was someone who would be in good shape and would um, be able to make a long walk home, I guess is uh, what, what I'll say for now. Um, let's get into the timeline though. I don't know if you've partied hard in your early 20s uh but it seems like the night of chris's disappearance that's what was happening it it starts at a host party in sackville in what i would consider downtown sackville although it's not really downtown but in the center of sackville he's with friends at a party um and by everything that i've heard from this party including statements by his mother who's championing his cause and advocating for him since his disappearance. Uh, She says as well in a statement, as well as anyone I've heard who was at the party, that Chris was um, heavily intoxicated. I heard that he, at the first party, and we'll get into how there's a couple parties involved here, but even at the first party, he was passing out, he passed out and sort of left the party for a period of time by passing out either in a bed or on a coach or something in the party, in the house that the party was at. I believe he went upstairs and and 
went to sleep in a bed and he put his glasses and his cell phone on the nightstand and had his shoes off yeah yeah okay i I couldn't figure out i I looked to try to figure out was it like passed out on a coach or a bed and i found a few different versions but i think when you find a story where there there's not like a concrete definitive explanation of everything if you start googling it you're going to find you know three different versions of every fact and with oh yeah and with chris's story that was certainly happening but that makes sense so he goes upstairs sleeps for an hour passes out for an hour or so but he seems to kind of come to and rejoins the party at some point with his friends they decide let's go over to another party but it's important to note chris leaves behind his shoes his phone um his wallet Been there yeah i have too <laughs> uh, i don't want yeah so it's not completely abnormal this no. is a well, I think that the leaving the shoes is because when he goes from the first party to the second party. And in November. Yeah, it's a street away. Um, so it was a little bit of a walk. But I'm thinking like if you're just, outside, I don't know, just to try to make sense of it. Let's say you're outside on the front step with friends at, at a party. Someone's having a cigarette or something. And they're going to go like across the street to another place. I Maybe it would make sense to leave your shoes off. If I, you're also- you know what? I would. And yeah, you just you just said you're still mowing your lawn in December, so there couldn't have been snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, so he leaves. That's, he, so yeah, that's yeah. plausible. Yeah, so he gets to this other party. It's now getting late at night. Uh, Chris seemed to have kind of a second wind after passing out. When he gets to the second party, though, uh, it seems to uh, he takes a turn for the worse. What I've read is that he uh, he puked, as people will. Uh, drinking too much Uh, after he pukes he tells his friends you know i've had enough i'm going home doesn't have his shoes his phone or anything so one of his friends says here wear these here's a pair of slippers or sandals wear these sandals and tomorrow you you know come back and we'll find your shoes and you'll be all good still it's like uh nothing that out of the ordinary if you're talking about college kids at a party i just think it is extreme, though, but not completely abnormal. I think if you go to a university on the east coast of Canada and hang out with some third-year students who are partying, this probably isn't completely wild. He leaves the party with the plan of going home. Um, we'll, we'll come back to like kind of where his trail leads, but his actual disappearance and the reporting of it takes place the next day when Chris doesn't return home from the party. His brother contacts his mother, the missing, yeah, they realize he didn't come home. A survey and a canvas of friends, no one knows where he is. They remember him walking home alone. The missing person's report is filed. Mandy Metallic says the last three days have been a nightmare. She and her family are waiting for her son to return home. I just hope, I hope you're okay. I want you home, I want you home. Chris Metallic was last seen at a house party on Allison Avenue early Sunday morning. RCMP say they've received tips he was seen shortly after at a pizza shop nearby, but police say they need to view surveillance videos before that can be confirmed. The Tri-County Search and Rescue was here yesterday to do some uh, urban search. So they were in the area 
covering mostly the area where we know that he was last seen, so where the parties were, basically. And today we're expanding the search. Family and friends of the third-year Man Allison student have been doing their own searches around Sackville. And his roommates and myself are also going crazy around town, looking everywhere, asking anyone or any place he's always been. But I mean, this whole situation is out of character for him. The university has sent out emails to staff, faculty and all students asking them to contact RCMP if they know any information. The university is also providing counselling services for anyone close to Chris. Let's back up a little bit to the trail that he seems to have left. The first sighting of Chris, although this one is remains unconfirmed, but you'll see this mentioned everywhere. He left the party, I think, like a little after one. I want to say two. Between one and two is when he leaves the party to go home. Someone reported believing to have seen him at a pizza shop that is like a three-minute walk from where the party was at about three o'clock, about an hour later. Uh, a few things about that sighting is um, Chris's home was about a 15-minute walk away from the party. If he left the party at two, why would he be at a pizza shop an hour later when he could have been home in 15 minutes? He would have been able to get the pizza and get home in, you know, 20 minutes or something. So that yeah. that kind of, I don't know. There's like 45 minutes unaccounted for there. But then again, if you're drunk and stumbling around, it, you know, a 15-minute walk can take 45 minutes. Uh, so I, I kind of considered that, but at the end, there's there's no way to prove that he was at this pizza shop. So that will just remain a, uh, a well, question. Well, it's unconfirmed. So, yeah. So what yeah. Can you, yeah. Not a lot you can say about it as a result of that. But the, the sighting of him that is confirmed and the one that really makes, like blows this case open and makes it something that really have people scratching their heads is what happens about two hours later after 4 a.m. Do you... I know you've gone through the timeline as well. Do you want to talk a, a bit through this second sighting and how this starts? Well, it's it was about 5.30 a.m. And a man was driving to work and saw Chris walking uh, along, I believe, Upper Abujagan Road. And it was good, like... Good pronunciation, by the way. Uh, I had to ask my best friend who is French and lives okay. in New Brunswick how to say it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so, but yeah, so he was seen walking and this guy driving to work is like, there should be no one walking on this road, especially at this hour. Mm -hmm. And it, it looked like whoever was walking was carrying bolt cutters or something in his, in his arms or in his hands. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, the driver like actually slowed down to get a good look, turned around, went back, uh, drove by him again, noticed that he was carrying driveway markers, white reflective driveway markers. Yeah, like pole kind of things. So yeah, like was he using them as like a walking stick or whatever? Mm -hmm. And then so this guy actually drives back to his driveway, um, calls police, waits 45 minutes for them to arrive. Mm. And after that, Chris is nowhere to be found. Yeah, By nice. the time this guy drives back, he sees Chris walking into the into the woods. Mm -hmm. And by that point, 45 minutes later, he was never seen again. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And I'm kind of reading between the lines in this witness's statements. And this witness becomes very important because he, from the point he sees Chris, he stays connected until days after of the search because he's he's involved later. But he's drive the witness is driving to work 
on a road that is very i couldn't overstate how rural this is i looked at it on google maps Desolute. just there's nothing <laughs> there's like i can tell where this witness probably lives because there's like one house surrounded by farmland in the middle of nowhere yeah so it's probably this guy's house but he's driving to work drives by chris or drives by like an unknown male at that point and what i'm reading between the lines with this sighting is he sees someone the guy driving he's like oh that's weird and he thought the guy was carrying what looked like sticks at first and then he did he turned around to get a better look at him and that's when he thinks he has bolt cutters okay and i wonder if he's like this guy's probably breaking into cars or houses or something because he then and his his house is the only one there <laughs> yeah so that because it's at that point when he thinks it's the bolt cutters he drives home and parks in his driveway and calls the police and I wonder right. if he's like, you know, there's someone out here with bolt cutters, like maybe stealing stuff. That's kind of what I was thinking. And that would explain why he didn't like, I don't know, stop and ask Chris questions. He just goes home and waits. And when he's waiting for the police, he sees Chris again for a third time, gets a better look and realize he has those kind of driveway markers, which are like, you know, the orange, like long pole. But Chris leaves. I had to Google what they look like. <laughs> yeah, they sell them at like the dollar store uh, in Canadian Tire. But he um, he sees Chris leave the highway and just walk through into like what looks like, I don't know, like a hay field, but walking in the direction of the woods. And he watches Chris basically walk off into oblivion. The police show up and do whatever, you know, initial search they would do. But that's literally at this point the the last trace of chris alive uh this witness after the police show up and he tells them what happened he just gets in his car goes to work and probably doesn't think much of it until a couple days later when he starts seeing on the news that there's this missing student and you know he was last seen here and that's when the witness puts it together like oh shit like that was definitely the guy i saw that's him yeah yeah and he i find it weird that well, I guess the police, when they responded to the call, they wouldn't have known Chris was missing yet, of course, because it all happened nope. that night. So it kind of took this witness to put it together and, you know, and remind everyone. Had this witness not called it in, who knows if if the flip-flops would have ever been found? Yeah. You know, who, who knows if... Yeah. yeah, let's get it in the flip-flops. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, <laughs> let's explain that because this is bizarre. So this witness who sees Chris that night reports it, sees Chris on the news. The police by this point have already gone and done a separate search of this area, knowing that the tip may have been Chris, but they didn't find anything. So the witness- At this point, were there like dogs and aerial search or just police ground just, search? I, I believe just police ground just search. Just police ground Following search. up on this tip that this guy reported to be like, you know, could that have been Chris? But this- area where Chris, uh, where this guy saw Chris, it's far away and it wouldn't make sense for him to walk out of Sackville hours up, you know, just random farming highway kind of roads. Um, well, and wouldn't it have taken him like hours to, yeah. to walk there? Like why? Well, this, why? this is, um, yeah, and this is around 5am where they saw him. So yeah, it was like a three hour walk, it... but just why would you Jeez. walk away from Sackville? Like, cause you're, if you're in like a town how would you end up like on a highway walking away from the town? Even if you were yeah. drunk, I like I I knowing myself and having been in situations like this, I'm more apt to like I'm just gonna sit here outside the pizza shop until 
I don't know, I end up at well, home. Someone comes and gets me. Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, in his case, it seemed to be I'm walking for three hours down the highway. But anyway, the, the police do a search of this area where this mystery man was last seen. They found nothing. But the witness who saw Chris, he was convinced it was him. So him and a buddy, they go into the woods in the direction that Chris was last walking. They find tracks. They follow the tracks. Eventually, they find a pair of, of sandals. They pick up the sandals, bring it home, call the police, report the sandals. The police show the photos of the sandals to the fellow who, the, the friend of Chris that lent him the sandals. And sure enough, they're Chris's sandals. Well, and the I, sandals I, Chris was wearing. I'm pretty sure that they were found like yards away from each other. Yeah. They, yeah. Found, they found one and then they found another way way ahead or behind or wherever imagine walking for three hours in sandals maybe you've done in, it that'd be in november yeah no like it you. had to have been cold yeah certainly and then and not to mention like walking off of the highway into like a farmer's field with like hay and all this crap that'd be well brutal. it's pretty dense forest yes mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah well he would have walked through what looked like a hay field for a good distance that would have and it would have been muddy because his tracks were in the mud so it was right. like muddy of crowd of course like dead grass like so there'd be all these spikes and stuff that he would have traversed and then the woods is on the other side of the field so he went oh, wow. through the field into the woods and it was in there that they found the shoes and the tracks um when they realized that they were chris's the sandals chris was wearing of course that report of the mystery man that night becomes much more important. And it's at this point that more in-depth search is done in this area. That includes aerial teams like helicopters, dogs. And that goes on for, I think, until about six days after his disappearance. The hardcore searching is happening, but they don't find anything other than their sandals, the tracks, and they call and the search it. off. They, yeah, and that's at, at that point, they call the search off. But... The leading kind of theory is if you if you follow the direction his his tracks were taking you, it would lead you to um, to a major river, um, the Tantramar River. And yeah. the prevailing theory is that as a result of, I, I don't know, misadventure, you would say he ended up in the river in some way because that was the direction he was going. But we talked about this a little bit before we started recording that river and I, I looked at photos and video of the area in question where he was walking towards it's not like the kind of thing you would just happen upon and stumble into it's like it it's a sizable river that i couldn't imagine like if if he's just wandering off lost and disoriented i can't imagine that that would lead him to be in water in November in a river like this. It's not the kind of thing you would just stumble into unless there's a different part of the river that I'd be unfamiliar with and hadn't seen photos of. But I think when, when you read about Chris Metallic's disappearance, um, most people very quickly will discount the theory that he ended up in this river. Um, but that said, it's like I haven't seen a theory that really had much, you know, that swayed me one way or another. Well, the fact that nothing has been found, like, 
I, I know there's, you know, there's black bears in New Brunswick, but mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they don't, as a rule, they don't go after people. Mm -hmm. And even if they did, some sort of evidence would be left. You would think, like right? It, right? It, mm -hmm. And yeah, like dogs, lot. did they pick up a scent and lost it or they couldn't get a scent at all? I think they just got a scent in where his tracks were anyway. Okay. So, because it was kind of like muddy ground so that they could right. follow his tracks into the, like leading towards the river. And then they just seemed to end near the river. Right. Um, but I don't know when you, when you hear end near the river, I don't know if they mean like footprints and then the river, or they just kind of lose it in the area of the river. Well, and right. There's a big difference. Well, and but, how deep is this river? Like, is it, and does it empty into somewhere where like it's impossible to search or good question i think i know? believe it goes to the ocean um but where he was it would have been a far away until it got to that point exactly um and, and i they searched the river yeah and but... it's like it can't be that big and deep that they couldn't have found anything mm -hmm. well that soon after his disappearance but you, you would think but there's never... a lot of cases where people I think you've done a video on Dylan Ehler, the missing yes. boy, the missing child in Nova Scotia. Yes. Uh, similar in that regard is Dylan Ehler, a young boy who went missing in Nova Scotia. All they found from him was shoes on the side or his boots, rubber boots on the side of a river in that river that Dylan disappeared in or near. They don't know if there's debates about whether he ended up in the water. That river is, is small. It's been searched where it empties been searched and it, has continuously been searched for years uh, since his disappearance and, and nothing. So for people can end up in water and just vanish, it seems to me. But often, yeah. you know, something turns up, a coat or a shirt. But in, right. in Chris's case, he didn't have a jacket on. He was left. I, I didn't think, he he was wearing a borrowed like windbreaker. Yeah, like a bright blue windbreaker, I believe yeah. is what he was last seen in. But if he ended up in water, like so you'd think something like that would eventually something. be found. Um, yeah. In fact, are you the, familiar with the Pickering Lost Boys case? What, uh, um, vaguely. The, the five or six boys stole a boat and they were never seen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And lots of people argued like that that lake is so deep, some things sink and don't come back up. Hmm. Yeah. But the, the, the way I see it is like the stuff that will disappear is like something that made of like cotton, but like say a, a windbreaker, that's kind of like a, it's basically just like a big thick bag of plastic. Pretty and, much. And yeah. that'd be, or in like shoes, you know, that are yeah. rubber and leather. That's the kind of stuff that you think would stick around. And yeah. where if you have a missing persons case that very clearly directs the investigation towards a body of water, I just don't see why that can't be done thoroughly and conclusively in some way yeah you'd think with today's technology yeah but with uh with chris metallic's case for people who point towards what whether an animal you talk like a bear or foul play or something if he's in an area where you can see his tracks and there isn't bear tracks or other people and you can find the sandals he was wearing separated like to me that only speaks to disorientation and even like leaving the sandals away apart like i think i would really like to see uh the evidence showing like the the footprints to get a sense of like was he walking a normal pace or was he you know kept falling over and you know what 
like looking at footprints. What if it was, was in happening? The, yeah. yeah, if it was in the snow, you'd have a pretty good idea of. Did they ever find the what he was walking with the the driveway markers? That's a good Probably. question. I don't believe. I can't so. imagine I, they did if they didn't say they did. Yeah, I haven't heard that it was found, and but so little has been said about his case publicly. The the police will do like a a press release and say something on every anniversary, and the news will cover it. But there's been very little in the way of information. Even the people at the party with him, you would think that they would be like, you know, speaking in some way. The only times that I've the only place that I've seen statements by them is in the early news reports. When when I was looking at uh, news reports from like the, you know, the week, the days and weeks immediately after his disappearance, some of his friends who were at the party are speaking on the different news outlets about it. But but just in a general sense, they're not talking specifically about what happened at the party. They're just kind of expressing, you know, we're really worried about him. This is not, this right. is unlike him. One of his friends did do something like a news article four years later. Yeah. One of his friends just spoke to spoke to the news about his case and how it affected him and everything. But but hearing like how it affected him and, you know, that side of things, that's great. But what I'd like to hear is like specifics about that night. Like, was there, right. you know, did he have anything going on with anyone else? How like intoxicated was he? Did he see, you know, what was it, what was going on with him? Cause I just, yeah. when, when I think that if it is just a case of someone who was drunk and got disoriented and got lost and walked into the woods, like that's, that is, that is such a long ways to wander off, yeah. but it's um, like, yeah, and it's just it, it just seems like it shouldn't be able to happen. Why wouldn't he have waved down the witness's car? You know, like, hey, yeah. like, I've been walking for three hours Help. and I need to go home. It doesn't seem like that had happened. But the story, one story we both covered that as I was reading about Chris Metallic, I couldn't help but draw similarities was uh, in Nova Scotia going on two years ago, I believe now, Zach Lefebvre or Zach LaHave uh, disappeared and it was very similar. It was, he disappeared on New Year's uh, at a New Year's Eve party where yep. he basically just walked away from the party never to be seen again. And I think he wasn't wearing pants or something. Yeah. He was last seen by a witness who drove past. Oh, that him, was in the, the witness. That's and he right. wasn't wearing pants, but it's the same and kind then, of thing. Just like a, a weird kind of sighting of him and then nothing gone. not found, just completely disappeared. But I guess if someone walks into the woods, I'm sure it's not easy to to find them. But but you'd think with I like I got a lot of faith in dogs. Mm -hmm. Those those snouts are pretty good. Yeah. Oh, and well, yeah. when they can't pick anything up, I'm just flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. Like, where did they go? Mm -hmm. There was one uh, clip I saw. I think it was maybe the fourth or fifth anniversary. Um, there was a. Uh, this special kind of police dog, like even beyond what a normal kind of search dog would be uh, that they had in the field. And they were interviewing the handler and he was super confident. He's like, if this guy, if there's anything here, even if it's yeah. four or five years, like this dog will find it and came back nothing. with nothing. Four years after his disappearance, there is a renewed effort to find Chris Metallic. The Mount A student hasn't been seen since leaving a house party back on the 25th of November 2012, four years ago Friday. The police are hoping a specially trained dog might finally answer the question of what happened to Chris Metallic. 
This area where Chris Metallic was last seen four years ago has been searched many times, but not by Doc. The specially trained German Shepherd is the only one of his kind in Canada. He and Constable Brian Vino have come from Nova Scotia to help search for clues in the disappearance of Chris Metallic. He's able to find historic remains as well. Buried, he can also find buried, he can find something in the water. Um, there's a lot of variables to what we do. Temperature, weather, length of time that we've been doing it. The RCMP and their dog have been searching this area since Monday and they will continue to do so at least until Friday, looking for any evidence into the disappearance of Chris Metallic that will help them solve this four-year-old mystery. This area is about 16 kilometers from the house party Metallic attended back on November 25, 2012. The next day, the RCMP received a report that the Mount Allison University student was missing. They also had received a call about a person walking along the road. That person turned out to be Chris Metallic. An extensive search ensued. Doc is able to detect at least one of the 30 chemicals within the human body after death. It's four years old now, so our general duty dogs can't locate something that's four years old. Science allows us to say that we can do that. The search area is vast. Doc hasn't yet found any new evidence regarding Chris Metallic's disappearance, but if there is anything out there, Constable Vino is confident his dog will find it. I wonder if it was um, cold enough for the ice to freeze over, but like not cold enough for to hold Chris. Mm -hmm. I wonder, did he, did he try and cross it? and fell through the ice and then it froze over again before the search part i don't know yeah or even just like if he ended up in water why and how and yeah if it yeah. was if it was half frozen it's dark as hell out there as you probably can imagine maybe he's like oh i'm just gonna walk across this not realizing it's you know paper thin ice that could I never, be i didn't even think it would still be dark at that point but it would be oh yeah and that's yeah. that and it would be very dark like if you're oh. out, out in this area it'd be black um but like scary dark yeah that could be one explanation for how he ends up in water um but other than that but even still put think about this is if there you, would be breadcrumbs yeah and if you were hammered i'll use that word you're you're walking for three hours you'd think you would start to sober up by then to the at least to the point yeah. that you wouldn't be you would know the difference between like being on the highway and walking through a field and right yeah that's it's just such a bizarre case yeah and uh it it is bizarre it's tragic it's heartbreaking it's completely unsettling can you imagine like uh, not to mention his family but even just like friends and classmates were during your university experience to have you know i was at a party and one of the guys there completely vanished, vanished. yeah and there's still like a, i i've watched the recent 10-year anniversary um news clips and stuff that that they that had aired and there's still like posters being put up they're still active and yeah, there's still active and passionate interest in his case. So, you know, people haven't it stopped looking. rattled the university mm -hmm. when it first happened. And yeah, I think they, every year on the anniversary, they do like a traditional uh, indigenous like sweat. They, every, they, they're always remembering him. When driving from Moncton to Sackville, the first thing you see when you enter town is a photo of Chris Metallic. The 20-year-old Mount Allison University student was reported missing on November 25th, 
a day after he left a house party in Sackville. Footwear was located a few days later in a rural area roughly 16 kilometers from the party, but nothing else. Spencer Isaac was a freshman at Mount A at the time of his big brother's disappearance. He tries not to let his imagination run wild when thinking about what happened. Personally, like I, I do feel that somebody knows something um, and it's, it's sitting with them after 10 years, it's still with them and it's not being shared. And Metallic's mother Mandy was busy at her home in Listagush, Mi'kmaq, First Nation in Quebec today, fundraising for new billboards to put up in Sackville. She said the first five years were the worst, but she's learned to live with not knowing what happened or where her son is. I don't feel he's alive. I, I mean, I'm like the, you always want to have that hope, but it's kind of no. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not giving up hope of finding him. I believe he's, he's still in the woods there somewhere. The RCMP told CTV News it's still an active missing persons case but Metallic's disappearance is not considered suspicious. Isaac has moved forward with his life, but says there will always be a part of him stuck in time. It stays at, you know, me being 18 years old when, uh, when he went missing and just not knowing what happened, right? If he's found, you know, whichever, however he's found, like, I'm hoping that that can kind of be the end of that chapter. He really was like a really special guy and, um, like, I, I miss him dearly each day. Mandy Metallic told me she'll be back here in Sackville on November 24th. Mount Allison's Indigenous Affairs will hold a ceremonial sweat for Chris on that day. And the following day, November 25th, the 10th anniversary of Chris's disappearance, a sacred fire will be held in his honor. It's, uh, it's brutal. After In 10 years, like, that's a... It's a long time, but at the same time, it isn't a long time. I, I'm sure for his mom and his family, it's, you know, that that 10 years or, or like Chris being here probably feels like yesterday. Um, and a lifetime ago, all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw a clip, a, a news clip with APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network. They did a long form interview with his mom just recently for the 10th anniversary and she was showing them his room and it was for the most part still the way it was when he left but it was also a bit of a time capsule because it's you know 10 years ago he had a huge dvd collection which <gasps> and it, it's all stacked there and and of everything that hit that like it hit me like oh like yeah 10 years passed yeah you know well, and it, he was only a year older than me i was 19 in 2012. oh really? so yeah oh wow so that oh, that bedroom yeah. time capsule just breaks my heart. Yeah, but it's um, it's heartbreaking. I found a lot of discussion online about it with a lot of theories that I, I find there's a lot of them have no credibility, but people will reuse them for every missing persons case. When I hear things like trafficking owed money to somebody, you know, um, uh, girl problems and revenge, like. I think you cannot find a missing persons case that doesn't have these kind of concepts attached to it. I've come across several people uh, presenting their version of what they think happened to Chris involving those kinds of ideas, but I none of them in my mind held any weight. I think no. when you look at the facts as they are now, although it, it's still a, a major mystery, a lot of points of it, it seems like for some reason 
he just walked off in the wrong direction and just kept walking. Yeah. It's, but, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen, I looked mostly on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't see any UFO theories. Oh, uh, maybe you, you got was... work to do when we finish up. Yeah. You have to build that up. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've seen about everything, but I think when I try to play it through in my head, I'm thinking he gets lost and disoriented. He ends up walking the wrong direction. Maybe at some point he thinks, you know, if I cut across this field, I'm going to get back in the, you know, I'm going to meet up with this other street and get back in the direction I need to be or, you know, something of that nature. Uh, well, when you're tired, when you're tired and all turned around and yeah. sobering up. Yeah. I just, yeah. In my mind, the, the only, the, the only outcome I'd see in myself would be, I'm just going to sit down and chill until the sun is up or I'm going to like lay down on this. I would, yeah, I would have gone to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And just slept it off and figured it out in the morning. I, but that's oh. not what happened here, but it's, no. uh, and if t- it, 10 years pass and nothing is found, do you think this has the potential for, you know, th- to be a surprise in the coming a couple of years when someone finds something? Do you see? Truth you see is truly happening? stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just identified that that boy in the States that was found in a box when he was four. Yeah, I saw 65 that. years ago or whatever. They just identified him. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's the case of this one always rings in my mind of uh, J.C. Lee Dugard. Yeah. And she was kidnapped for like 18 years. Like, could you imagine getting that call as a parent? <laughs> yeah. Just so <laughs> like, yeah. So crazy, crazy thing. Things happen. Which which serial killer was just caught a, f- a few years ago and he went decades without. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Golden, Golden State. Yes. Yeah. Was that him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you never know. You never yeah. know what could happen. But but a lot of these cases, well, not all of them, but but when technology changes like right now what's happening is a lot of old cases are being solved as a result of that like genealogical dna stuff where they can true you know find like it's you know a relative of this guy is the serial killer you see you're seeing a lot of old cases as a result of technology changing being solved but a case like chris's i in my heart of hearts it would be a fluke it's going to be someone just for whatever reason they they're you know they're developing to put a cottage or something and they just find something and you know that's that's all we would need all we need is a windbreaker or a you know a shoe mm-hmm. and we know yeah. for sure what happened but i i don't think but... this is ever going to be one that ends with you know he just walked off and he's living a life somewhere although that's that's another one that's every missing person's case someone out there thinks that they they left town and they're just you know start over uh in, i, you know, the I believe db cooper is alive okay and i believe the o'brien boys are alive okay all right yeah. well uh, that's another that's another day <laughs> that's another day but in chris's case i think um something needs you. to happen though it's it's like to have it uh, in that unshut door that open door remaining where the evidence points in such a clear direction we have this area is where he was and he couldn't have gone far because he had no shoes at this point right but then um, that's why it's such a it's such a boggling case mm-hmm. it's just like how does i always ask that how does someone just vanish but I can't believe how many people just disappear. Yeah. And and you really know, you can really get a sense of it when you start covering this stuff. Like just as you and I are talking, we can find other cases that are similar in so many ways. And we could go all night 
just yep. just rattling them off but it's we've already we've already mentioned probably 10 yeah. other ones yeah and it and it shouldn't be like that no yeah. we should we should not have lists of missing people categorized by province yeah exactly um but we do yeah well we'll start wrapping this case up um for people who want to learn more about chris i'm going to in the episode description i'm going to have a whole list of news articles and videos dating back to the early days of his disappearance um madeleine you have your youtube video where you get into his case as well i do uh it's just it's just my crime talk video that i put onto youtube but you can definitely access it through my youtube profile and i believe it's just called Chris Metallic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in that video, there's um, for people on the East Coast of Canada, you on the West Coast, one of the things like when you kind of start your video, I think you apologize to your viewers because you in a prior case uh, that you covered, I think in your prior video, you referred to a case in Newfoundland have as having taken place in the Maritimes, which Ooh. is a huge mistake to make for Maritimes. Big, big no, no. <laughs> I I was they let me know really quick. <laughs> you almost with got tough like love. you yeah. got like that's like a East Coast canceled. You know you make a exactly. Thing like that. She's off crime talk. My saving grace was uh, a lot of people were like, oh, thank you for saying Newfoundland right, and I'm like, oh, I'm really? Canadian. I'm Canadian. <laughs> I should be saying it right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I guess lots of lots of people say Newfoundland, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. weird. So at least I got a little bit of praise. Yeah. yeah. So like anyone who wants to find your stuff, again, just Madeleine Klein on YouTube. I'll, I'll include links to it in my episode description as well so people can find you. And if people know what TikTok is and have it downloaded on their phones, they can find you there searching your name. Madeleine well. Klein as well. I'm Madeleine Klein across all social media. All right. Well, Maddie, it's been great. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. I want to thank you for joining Maddie and I for our discussion surrounding the disappearance of Chris Metallic. For those listening who'd like to learn more about Chris's case, I've added a link in the episode description that will bring you to the Facebook group devoted to the search for him. And with that, I'll wrap up this episode of Nighttime, but before we part here, let me end with some thanks. A big thanks to Maddie Klein for sharing an evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. Shout out to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode, and LJ from the Dystopian Simulation podcast, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers. But lastly, and most importantly, I have the biggest thanks of all, and that goes to every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping this show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you listen on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed keep the show alive, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on that topic, let me thank the newest subscribers, Carol, Shannon, and Brittany. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and let like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If there's a Canadian missing person case you'd like to hear featured on this series, please let me know at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, as I prioritize cases submitted by friends and family, be sure to fill me in if you have a connection to the missing person. And to anyone listening who wants to contribute a voice memo, give a story idea, or share feedback on this episode, let's connect at nighttimepodcast.com. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.